All right. It's good to see y'all this morning. You don't like seeing me? No? Thank you, Tina. It's so good to see you. You're now my favorite one out of this entire room. Now, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, that's where we're going to be at this morning. Uh, Over the next couple of weeks, um, you're going to see uh, that we're going to be looking at um, the distinctions of men and women in the worship service. And so um, I might have a job the week after next. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, 1 Timothy 2 is, uh, this is, I told you, I told you when we first started going through the pastoral epistles, there are going to be some challenging sections of scripture. Uh, and, and, and so this is, this is going to be one of them, but this is just kind of scratching the surface. Next week is going to be even better. Um, and so we'll see if there's a vote of no confidence after the service next Sunday. But um, nobody's laughing at that, and you've really got me nervous. Um, but th- this morning's message is titled Marked by Holiness. And so we're going to be looking at how men and women in the worship service, how we are distinct in our practice, but marked by our Holiness, and, and and so as you're turning there again, First Timothy chapter two, I want you to to, to just kind of look around and see how many children we have in our worship service. Um, you probably saw me and Leto kind of walking around with our like chickens with our head c- cut off. We've got several children in our worship service, which is fantastic. So adults, if they get squirmy or loud or anything like that, I haven't said this in a long time. You've got to suck it up and deal with it because um, they need to be in here. Um, we do not have children's church here because we want our children to see our parent, see their parents worshiping with their Bibles open, listening attentively to the service. We want the children to be able to even look at the Bibles with their parents and do this with them. But there's something else you don't see in the worship service this morning are the 10 children we have in our nursery right now. That's why we were running around with like chickens with our heads cut off. We're like, are we okay? Because it's packed out back there. Um, building the grounds, we may need to talk about knocking a wall down um, just so we can fit the children in the nursery back there. Uh, and so praise God for what he's doing in our church. It's, it's a blessing to see all of you here this morning and all the children that are in the worship with us. So if you have a problem with the children that are squirming, you've got to take it up with me. Because probably my four-year-old is going to be the squirmiest one in here. Okay? Okay. We good? All right. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Here at Red Cross, we like to stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. So if you'll stand with me as we read verses 8 through 10 out of First Timothy 2. And if you're not aware, I'm coming from the ESV translation. And here's what the Scripture says says, I desire that in every place the men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works." Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Use me as you see fit this morning. Um, Give me the words to say as we go through this text. 
Pray, God, that we are able to apply it to our lives as we seek to live out a life that is marked by holiness. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We live in a world today, and you've probably seen it on the news this past week. We live in a world today where the world, the the culture is confused by what we would classify as gender distinctions. Now, this is not me getting on a soapbox about um, what the world should believe about gender, because we're going to stick with what the text says this morning. I can speak all day about that. But you probably saw on the news this past week, or probably for a while, that there was a, um, a transgender swimmer who won first place in the women's Olympic swim competition. And y'all saw probably the big debate and the, 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 the heatedness that was coming out about that because just because of the way the culture is viewing gender now and how it's so confused. But here, as we're coming into this text of 1 Timothy 2, Paul actually is giving us gender distinctions in the worship service there there is a reason for men and there's a reason for women and we have our distinct roles we as uh, I, I would i would say no 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 no, no. I, i'm going to say that our church stands on a complementarian view of men and women and not an egalitarian view complementarian as in Men and women complement each other in their distinct roles that God has given them. Egalitarian is saying women can do men things, men can do women things. I can do anything better than you kind of thing, right? But we would say that we are complementarian here. If we are, if we are going to say that we are a people of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, we have to say that we are complementarian here. And I would even say that if we are a people of the Word, we would have to say that we are complementarian here. But today, as we are going into this discussion, it's going to get a little more dicier next week. So today, we're just kind of scratching the surface. But today, here's the main idea that I want to get across to you. Today's truth, it says this, a healthy church consists of men and women who are marked by holiness. As we are going through the pastoral epistles, as we are going through First and Second Timothy and Titus, our goal as we go through this is to look at what a healthy church looks like. We, Red Cross Baptist Church, need to be a healthy church. And looking out, I would say we are a healthy church. But there are still some things that we need to change, some things that we need to look at. And I believe the pastoral epistles are going to do that for us. But today, as we look at what a healthy church is, a healthy church consists of men and women who are marked by holiness. And this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. So again, hold the tomatoes. We're going to get through it. I'm excited because I'm curious to see how you're going to take it. So number one. Point one, I got two points for you this morning. We're going to look at holy men and holy women. Holy men and holy women. Point one and point two. As we look at holy men, Paul is telling us as men that we are called to be 
holy because we are to be men who pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Paul is, after he just got done talking in verses 1 through 7 about, about what to pray for, he's talking to men about how to pray. And so first, as holy men, we're to be men of prayer, church. The men in our church are to be men of prayer. Martin Luther once said that he had so much he had to do throughout a day that he cannot do it unless he begins each day with three hours of prayer. Three hours of prayer. We can barely get through 10 minutes of prayer if you're like me. But Luther would say that he needed to have a time of prayer where it took him three hours. Men, we are to be men of prayer. First, I want to say that men are supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray. When Paul says, I desire then that in every place. He, this word desire is a Greek word that really is a command. Paul is not just saying, hey, I would really like it if you guys would pray. No, Paul is basically saying, you guys pray. He's, he is commanding the men within the church that they are to be men of prayer. Now listen, we have to remember who is writing this. This is Paul. And he tells us in the beginning of chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. He's giving his authoritative status in this book. I'm writing to you, Timothy, not as a friend, not as a brother, not as a spiritual father. I'm writing to you as an apostle. I'm writing to you to tell you what the church should be doing. And the purpose of this entire book in 1 Timothy 3, we see that, 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 that he writes it to us so that we may know how to behave in the household of God. So how are we to behave, men? We're to be men of prayer. Men, we are called, ladies, I'm not, I, we're getting to y'all. It's just, it's easier to beat the men a little bit. But men, we are called to be leaders in prayer in the church. Leaders in prayer. We are to be the ones who who the church looks up to as the prayer warriors. We lead in prayer. One of my friends told me, he says, the health of a church bears much weight in the prayers of the men. It does. You want a healthy church? The men need to be praying. The men need to be praying. Praying about what? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people. What are men to be praying for? All things. What kinds of prayers? All prayers. For who? All people. Men, we are called to be Men of prayer. We are called to pray in every, in every place. Paul says, I desire then that in every place. Now, the context of this text is talking about in every place of worship. Wherever the church gathers, men are to be a men of prayer. Paul is talking to Timothy who is setting up churches in Ephesus. 
Everywhere they meet, every place they gather, men are to be praying. But let me, let me go a little broader. And again, this is not what the text is talking about, but I want to apply it a little broader. Men, do your family see that you are a man of prayer? Husbands, do your wives see that you're a man of prayer? Fathers, do your children see that you're a man of a, that you're a man of prayer? Now, I'm not talking about being a man who wants to showboat or just have the appearance of praying. That's Pharisaical. We are, as as Jesus tells us, are to be praying in secret. We are to be in the prayer closets praying. But let me tell you something. If I'm up early in the morning and I'm reading my Bible and I'm in prayer and my kid comes out of his bedroom and sees me praying, I'm not going to stop praying. I want him to see me in prayer. Not to be like, hey, son, look at how good of a dad you've got. I know you said you wish he was your dad, but I'm your dad. Look at how good I am. My kid's got this favorite um, thing on uh, YouTube that he likes to watch where they like unbox toys and play video games and stuff like that. And it's FGTV. And he told me one time, I wish that was my dad. Dads, has any dad in here heard that from their children? Oh, thank God. Oh, man. I thought I was the only one. Boy, okay. I feel better now. We should like su- create a support group. Man, but I want my child to see me in prayer. Men, we need to be leading in prayer at the dinner table. We need to be leading in prayer in family worship. We need to be leading in prayer with our spouses. And this is listen, when 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 I when I was when I was praying through this text, my first prayer as I'm as I'm preparing this message was God convict me. Because guys, when I started looking at how men need, need to be a man of prayer, I'm the last person to stand up here and tell you that you need to be a man of prayer. Because I'm preaching to myself this morning. I've been so convicted this week about how I have lacked in that discipline of prayer, even within my own spiritual life. And I'm your preacher. I'm your pastor. I could, I could make the argument here that, 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 that this is, is a big, a big policy for elders in the church, pastors in the church, that we need to be a people of prayer. Church, men are called to be men of prayer for many reasons. Men, we are to pray so that we are not led into temptation. We are to pray for the salvation of others. We are to pray to repent of our sin. We are to pray to be equipped to fight for our holiness. We are to pray to fight for our joy. Men, I'm not talking about just us being a a men of prayer for the sake of the church or the sake of our families but for the sake of our own souls. We are called to be in prayer. 1 Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. We are to be a men of prayer. Which leads me to my second point. 
as we are of men of prayer, is that that's not going to help unless we are first of men of piety. Now, some of you are probably like, what in the world is piety? That makes me hungry. Piety is, <laughs> piety is to define it, is really um, pursuing holiness. Piety is, is being godly. Our piety is our our seeking to be like Christ. And, 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 and I know I've been taught in seminary, you don't use words in your sermon outlines that people don't know. I want to define that for you because we need to know this word. Because if we talk about our piety, we're talking about our state of worship, our state of holiness. So men, we are to be a man, a man of piety. We're to be men who seek after Christ. We see in verse 8 where Paul says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray. Doing what? Lifting holy hands. Now, this is not just talking about a posture of prayer. I know a lot of us, we probably have different postures of prayer. If we're in our prayer closet, if we're at home by ourselves in our, in our personal time with God, we might be on our knees. That's a, that's a posture of prayer. Moses would lay flat on the ground with his hands out, completely flat, in prayer to God. That's a posture of prayer. You might be sitting in, in, in a chair like I do with your hands in, in your face. That's a posture of prayer, bowing. Now, we're not talking about a posture of prayer here. We're talking about a purity of prayer. We're talking about an attitude of prayer. We, we as men are called to have a representation of purity in our prayer. Isaiah 1, 15 through 16, it says, when you spread out your hands, all right, there's that lifting holy hands. When you spread out your hands, I, God, will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Does God ever not answer our prayers? What does that tell us? Church, our hands represent our deeds, whether they're holy or not. Our hands are a representation of of our heart. Clean hands symbolize a pure heart. James 4 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Our church, this, this doesn't mean that God only hears our prayers when we do good, 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 good works. You heard me started, stuttering, right? Too excited. This doesn't mean that God only hears our prayers when we do good works. It means that we must be a people of repentance. That's where our clean hands come from. How is it that we wash our hands? Only by the blood of Christ. Only by His blood. We're going to sin. Men, we are going to sin. A life that is marked by holiness is a life that is marked by repentance as we strive to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So if we are to be a men of piety, we need to be a men of repentance. 
Our public worship is an expression of a life that is marked by holiness. So in the public gathering of the church, if we have men who come up here and they do the pastoral prayers or, or if, if we ask some of the men in the congregation to pray at the close or opening or whenever, when you pray, your piety, your holiness is an expression. Your holiness is expressed in your public worship. I love being up here and playing, even though it can be heavy sometimes with having to preach and make sure the service is good. So I'm always looking for a new, a new drummer. But I love being up here and playing because when I look out and I see people lifting their hands in worship, it's amazing. But let me tell you something. If you're out there lifting your hands in worship, singing in worship, praying in worship, but yet your life is not a life of repentance, it's offensive to God. It's offensive to Him. Because our public worship is an expression of a life that is marked by holiness. He's offended by the prayers of one whose life is not marked by holiness, whose life is not marked by repentance. Christ went willingly to the cross so that we may be able to come to the Father. Christ suffered and died for our sins so that we may be able to be reconciled to God. Christ gave his life as a ransom so that we may have life abundantly. And so we're only able to lift holy hands to God in prayer and in worship through the blood that was shed for us. So unless we are doing that worship and prayer in a life of repentance, we shouldn't even be doing it at all. So let me implore that if you've never given your life to Christ, who gave his life for us, would you do it today? You do it today. Because your worship is offensive. Your prayers are offensive. The power, and, and, and here's another reason why piety is important for us men. The power in prayer is directly related to the purity of the one praying. James 4 8. I'm sorry, James 5 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So if there's any encouragement for us to be holy men, and this is for women too, this isn't just for men. Women, you can't be like, oh, thank God that ain't for me. Ladies, this is for all of us. If there's any encouragement for us to be holy, it's so that God will hear, hear our prayers. But that can't be our motivation for holiness, just so that we can have our prayers answered. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel either, guys. I'm not talking about, hey, you need to be better at life so that you can get what you want. I'm talking about holiness. Pursuing Christ. Repenting of our sin. God desires the prayers of a righteous person. And so men, may we be a men of piety. Thirdly, not only should we be a men of piety, we should also be a men of peace. 
I'm not talking about pacifism. I'm talking about peace. Here's what I mean. In verse 8, Paul says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Anger and quarreling are the specific sins in view here. This is one of the problems happening in the church at Ephesus is there are men that are fighting. I'm not talking about a fight club ministry. I'm not talking about fists. I'm talking about anger. Words are being shared that are hurtful. And this probably has to do with the false teaching that's coming through there. There's a lot of problems coming up. And church, you know, for some reason, ask my wife, for some reason, men tend to be prone to anger and argument, especially when it comes to doctrine, especially when it comes to theology. We want to be right. Men can be competitive, territorial, critical, and stubborn. No amens? Ladies? Right? We tend to argue before we even begin to listen. This is one issue that my wife and I have when we have our little arguments. Yes, your pastor and his wife argue at times. It's how we stay married. Neither one of us want to be wrong, especially me. Even if I know I'm wrong, I'm still going to fight it until at least I sound like I'm right. And you are laughing, men, because you do the same thing. You know it's true. You know if you laid your keys over there and, and, and yet you found out that you can't find them and yet your wife's like, you put them there. No, honey, I didn't put them there. They're somewhere else. Can't find my keys. Jesse, they're in your pants pocket. No, they're not. I pulled them out of my pants pocket. Yet you found the pants, you pull them out. I've even hid them in a place where I'm like, see, I told you. That is not where they were. We have fun in our house sometimes. Church dissension, division, arguments are harmful to the body of Christ. Now, men, there is a time to fight. We are to fight for doctrinal integrity. We are to fight for the truth of God's word. We are to fight for the sanctity of life and for the, for, for the value of family. There are times for us to fight. But men in the body of Christ, we're to be men of peace. Our arguments, our dissension, our fights, they hinder our prayers. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So if you are offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Church, we can't have worship. We can't have prayer unless there's peace. Men, we are to be men of peace. D.A. Carson fantastic theologian, once said, we will see profound spiritual renovation if by God's grace we make it our commitment not to put anyone down except on our prayer list. I'm going to say that again. 
We will see profound spiritual renovation if by God's grace we make it our commitment not to put anyone down except on our prayer list. Men, if we want, if we want to be a men of prayer, we need to be a men of piety and a men of peace as well. That's how we are marked by holiness. That's what a healthy church is consisted of. Now that I've preached for 30 minutes on men, let's go to women. Y'all are good. Let's pray. (laughs) Point two, holy women. Baby, I love you. Please need some counseling after this. Verse nine, Paul says, likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, nor with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So first, holy women, how is it that we, you, (laughs) you, starting to sound like the culture, uh you are women of respectability. This is how you, you are women of respectability. This is how you are marked by holiness. Paul says again in verse 9, Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. Respectability is a form of humility, ladies. It is. This is the, this is the attitude that we are to have when we come to prayer. Now hear me say this. Worship is not a place to show off how fashionable we can be. Okay? There's nothing wrong with dressing nice. In fact, there's nothing wrong with anything that he said here. You can have braided hair. You can wear gold or pearls or costly attire. You got to understand what he's talking about. In Ephesus, there's this temple of Artemis. It's a goddess. And at the entrance of this temple, there are prostitutes. Basically, what Paul is telling the ladies, one of the things, don't come to church dressed like a prostitute. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but when we come, when you, oh, when you come, ladies, when you come, you come modest, respectable. You're not coming to draw any attention towards yourself. Because in worship, church, hear me. In worship, our goal is not to attract any attention to us. It's to place all the attention on God. And so ladies, when you come and you're not wearing respectable clothing, and you're a distraction to the men in our church, you're drawing attention to yourself that needs to be placed on God. There's nothing wrong with dressing nice. There's nothing wrong with wearing makeup. Frida, you heard me say it. There's nothing wrong with wearing makeup. (laughs) I thought about her as I was prepared. She's a Mary Kay consultant. I wanted to be clear. It's okay to dress nice. But what's your motive? Ladies, why are you dressing nice? Ladies, you are not, you are not to be dressing nice so that you may come and find a man at worship. This is not a place to pick up people by looking nice. Alright? There's nothing wrong with meeting somebody at church and, uh, singles. Nothing wrong with single people meeting somebody at church. 
falling in love and getting married. Uh, I, I went and sat with um, Doc and Mildred this, this, uh, pa- this past week, and they shared the story about how um, Mildred started visiting Red Cross here, and that's how she met Doc. And they got married and been a member, been members here at Red Cross for several years. And there's nothing wrong with coming to church and meeting. But, but what's your motive behind how you appear? Church, we live in such a sexualized culture. Porn is rampant. It's rampant. And it's killing marriages. It's killing men. It's killing churches. Ladies, we are... T- oh! You are to dress. I'm not doing that on purpose. You are to dress in respectable attire. First Peter 3, 3 through 5, it says this. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. And I would say that's even for single ladies. But I don't have a husband. But you're submitting to that future husband because you're adorning yourself with that internal beauty and not the external. Which leads to my second point for women. Women are to be a women of respectability, but secondly, women of reverence. So if... If Paul is saying that, that, that women are to adorn themselves with respectable apparel and not, not outspoken and, and vibrant, what is it that, 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 that they're to do? Verse 10, that they're to adorn themselves with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So ladies, let me, let me just be honest. Ladies, what is attractive to a godly man. It's a godly woman. It's a godly woman. A woman who loves Jesus. When I graduated high school 2006. Over here at West Stanley. I decided I'm going to move away. Stanley County girls were not for me. I needed somebody out of town. Alright. No offense Stanley County girls. I just. It, it wasn't working out for me. So I moved away to Mars Hill College. And I figured my first, when I took my first step on campus, I prayed, God, show me my wife. I was looking for her. Um, I, I, I took a couple girls out, um, and there were some very nice girls. And, but, but man, when, when I met my wife, it was on Mars Hill campus in my dorm room on MySpace. It's the off brand of Facebook. Nobody remember it. Was it that bad? I think I still have my account. But one thing that really attracted me to her was her godliness. Is that she loved Jesus more than she loved, and she still loves Jesus more than she loves me. She does. Yeah, absolutely, Esther. That's exactly right. It's the way it should be, ladies. You are to love Jesus more than than any man in your life. And so we are, oh, you are to be women of reverence. Because ladies, God cares little for outward appearance. He does. The only time God cares for outward appearance, I would argue, is when you become a stumbling block 
to your brothers. Ladies, you know what the Bible says about causing believers to sin? It'd be better for you to have a rock tied around your neck and thrown into the lake and drowned than for you to cause somebody to sin. That's what the Bible says. So ladies, you are to be women of reverence. 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So ladies, what is attractive to a godly man? Godliness. So for the single ladies, I know we've got some single ladies in our Congregation right now. We got a college ministry going, got a high school ministry going. We got some single adults. Listen, let me tell you if he is not attracted to your godliness, he's not worth marrying. And let me also tell you, ladies, if he doesn't love Jesus more than he loves you, he's not worth marrying. And ladies, let me also say this too. If he doesn't walk with you towards Jesus, but is only dragging you away from him, he's not worth marrying either. Men, that goes for you in accordance to women. We are called to be a people marked by holiness. That's what a healthy church is consisted of. A people who are marked by holiness. A people who have treasured Christ who love him more than anything. Men, how are we a men of piety, a men of worship, a men of holiness? By looking to the founder and perfecter of our faith as we run towards him. Ladies, how do you live a life of reverence and respectability? By loving Jesus more than anybody else and running towards him. Church, we are called to be men and women who are marked by holiness. That's what Paul's getting at here. As we are distinct, men, and we're going to see this next week, men have certain roles, women have certain roles. But we're also the same in which we need to be a people who are marked by the holiness that Christ gives us through His blood on the cross. So may He be our treasure. May He be the apple of our eye. May He be the one that we seek after daily. May He be the one that that, that we are praying to as often as we do. May you be a people who are marked by holiness. Let's pray. Father God, You are so good and gracious and merciful. Lord, I pray that as we go into this time of invitation that You would help us. God, that You would convict us where we have failed You. God, if we are not a people of holiness, draw us near to you. If we need to repent of our sin, convict us of that sin. Bring it to our minds. God, help us to know what it is that is keeping us from you right now. God, I pray that we are men of prayer, men of piety, and men of peace. I pray that as we are men in this church, that we are seeking the true man, the true example, the true God, who lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserved. 
Help us to be a man after Jesus. Help us to be men after God's own heart like David. And God, for the women in this room, I pray that you would help them to be women of respectability and, a, and women of, of reverence. Where their goal in life, their, their, their desire in life is to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. To be women of godliness, women of good works because of who they've been saved by. So God, I pray that you would do a work within this room right now. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.